Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Empowering Voices. Are you curious to know who's my guest for today? Jump in and listen. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Empowering Voices. Today we have a special guest. She's Helen. Um, and we will start our conversation from um, my uh, hand embroidery today that is Inner Magic. Uh, Helen, welcome. And she will guide us through what the amazing things she does. Um, I mean, all she's been through uh, her life that has become an amazing book. Uh, well, the book is just one of the thousand things Helen does. But uh, I will invite you to tell us with your own, your own voice. Welcome. Thank you for being with us. We are very proud to have you. Oh, Mari, you're so kind. And uh, in a way, with your, your, what's on your T-shirt is, is inner magic. And that's really what we decided to talk about today, isn't it? So that, you know, the kind of inner wisdom that we have, that divine spark, and how we, uh, you know, how we kind of, embody it really I suppose on on the planet if that makes sense so um I think you know the the things that happen to us our life circumstances our parents siblings then you know growing up and then the what happens to us later on it's like we're given almost like an exam or something you know it's it's these are the these are the challenges for us in in our own hero's journey and so a lot of my work nowadays really is to do with recognizing that and recognizing that we have this amazing gift of our life sometimes with massive challenges I mean you know I don't I'm not I don't want to undermine that and in any way sometimes you know we can be in a very dark place and um, and it feels like it's really tough but I think we are learning um, as a as a race as you know about the things that work nowadays the importance of connection the importance of belonging um, the importance of you know kind of waking up to the fact that we 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 are magic I mean yeah it, you know, I think as adults we also tend uh, not to use the word that much and it's fine. I mean, everyone can use a different word, right? Yeah. For that magic, you used wisdom that probably we are more uh, prone to accept as adults, but it is there. And the fact that we know it's there, it's comfort comforting, it can help to face the challenges uh, that we yeah. inevitably we have in life. We do. We do. I mean, that's what we, you know, we, we weren't here to have an easy time. <laughs> So, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not sure if I know anybody who's had a really easy time in their life um, and whether that's to do with, uh, you know, calm. I mean, there are all sorts of different threads, aren't there, to, um, you know, about whether or not it could be to do with karma, whether it's to do with, I'm reading at the moment, well, I'm wanting to read more about that whole um, collective trauma that, mm-hmm. that there is so that, you know, in in, the, in in England, where I'm talking from, um, and in Britain, there is so much to do with the Second World War and the yeah. First World War and the fact that, you know, there's still, I think, trauma that, that echoes down the generations here, even now in 2021. Yeah, in a way or, or, or another, yeah. Yeah, can... yeah, and kind of very intense experiences. So, 
yeah the, yeah there are there are different there are different things but yeah wisdom magic and it's, i think it's remembering that we we have that because actually when we feel low we forget don't we we sort of you know we can kind of dive down and think oh i'm useless and that ridiculous inner critic oh goes, yes that goes, can, can feel any any spark yeah exactly yeah. but as we were saying our brain is not there to make us happy is uh, there to defend ourselves yes tell us about the danger and to push us to run away from danger but that danger sometimes is just an opportunity so mm. we need to learn and recognize that and probably the magic is our tool our weapon um, whatever we want I, quite right uh, you know and the, you, you you're right i mean I, i've i've heard that 80 percent of our brain as time is spent protecting us from the saber-toothed tiger who's coming over the horizon you know like news spoiler alert there is no saber yeah. tiger. Uh, they you know they, they've got and, and whatever tigers there may be uh well obviously there are tigers but you know but, but the, the dangers that there are sometimes the important thing is actually to stop and look the tiger in the eye and see what that tiger's come to teach you because i think that that's you know having the bravery to face up to our challenges um and it, you know I'm, it's taken me a while to do this Mara I mean I've, I've I've been a family lawyer and mediator for 35 years I've trained lawyers um in talking solutions I've trained them in mediation and collaborative law so it's all really sitting around the table let's see how we can talk things out which is a kinder potentially kinder way than going through the court system so but you know in terms of kind of facing up to the tigers that were in my family yeah. it took me it took me really 40 years to do it well it's never but, too late yeah so I you know I promised myself back in 1981 that I would write a book about what really happened to my brother uh although I kind of let myself off the hook a bit because my I knew that I couldn't write that book until both of my parents had died actually yeah. I think it would have been, you know, it would have been too cruel. It wasn't, it would not have been easy reading for them. So um, my father died in 2014. My mother died in 2017. And then she left another secret. Um, a big gift. You, uh, which, for yeah, you. which was a gift. So, so my mum came out as gay after she died. Um, and I remember actually, you know, kind of, going to going to my laptop and um and typing in you know like you know google what what are we going to do here so typing in um what happens if your parent comes out of as gay posthumously and you know normally you'll get like hundreds of thousands millions of, of responses and th there was literally about something like 70 responses oh, and wow. it was all to do with if you come if you come out as gay you know just before if a parent comes out as gay just before they die or if a child comes out as gay or bi or you know so the, that was talked about but i there just was nothing about about that um about you know what to do although my younger daughter you know it's it's good that i've got i've got young people around me because they kind of keep me sane and up to, up to scratch yeah. so, but my, my younger daughter said Mum, why did you type in posthumously? Nobody says posthumously. So just put in after death. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I tried that, but it still there wasn't any. Yeah. So, it's, so you uh, were uh, trying to find someone who had the same experience. Yeah. So I think it was a lot to, to take in. I mean, so many questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for me, naturally, would come up like, why didn't she ever tell me? Mm-hmm. Or why did she have to keep it quiet? I mean, for sure, over time, but it took probably a long time, uh, you then had some answers. But at the moment, I think it was just shocking, not for the fact in itself, but for the secret. For, for her, for sure, was, uh, it had not been easy yeah. to keep this secret all her life. Uh, no, except that she, she did love secrets. You know, she loved secrets when she, she was... Um, she was kind of very beautiful, ice blonde, ice queen, blonde, blue eyed um, woman. And she was the sort of woman she'd kind of come into a room and people would just look yeah. at her. You know, she had that sort of, she had that power. When she turned it on, she could, she could also, you know, just disappear sort of, sort of almost into a room. But she, but she, when, when I was younger, she, um, she taught me to she wanted to teach me two things one was how not to blush so (laughs) if if you kind of got embarrassed um she said okay so Helen when I was little I taught myself how not to blush and I can teach you as well I was kind of going always really is that a thing (laughs) um but I wonder why it was so yeah so she would say just imagine something really you know, that makes you really embarrassed. And so wait until the flush comes up your face. And then she said, and then you can, you can just control it and, and, yeah. um, and bring it down. And, you know, so that's, that was one thing. And then she could also, um, she could, mum could also look at somebody from a distance and make them trip over. Oh, so she, she had magic, definitely. She definitely had magic. She's there was quite a witchy side to my to my mum, I think, in, in lots of ways. And she, you know, um, if sometimes if, when I was younger, especially when, you know, I, if I had a headache and was away from home, my mum would say, You've had a headache, haven't you? And I'd go, Oh, oh. <laughs> I do know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so she, yeah, but she found it found it quite hard to separate from me, I think, in, in lots of ways. But yeah, my, my mum had that kind of um mad in her magic but she was able to keep that secret throughout her life and you know it wasn't as even if as if we suspected anything do you mm-hmm. know we didn't even have an inkling, inkling. Of any kind. Not, not and yet then I found out that actually various other people some of whom I knew did know about oh. it including um because my mum left a, li- a list of names of women that she'd had relationships with and one of them that went. she contacted of course all of well them. some of them had died uh but but one of them I'd known for years she ah, was, okay so she was a, a family friend she's a family friend family and, family she, yeah, and she was openly gay ah. um, so she has uh, she had a wife um and um, so I wrote to her and said, Gwen, you know, mum's left this me- message and the, it's kind of raised some things for me. And can I talk to you about it? And, of course. and then I just waited in trepidation because I didn't know what she was going to say. So I sent it by email, probably. Mm-hmm. The coward- Not to have the, the, the direct uh, yes or no. 
Uh, because I thought I'd also give her a bit of space to say yeah. no, if you know, because she's of that generation like my mum of you know the silent generation they're often called mm -hmm. born from the middle of the 1920s to the middle of the 1940s they're often called the silent generation because they were taught yeah. to keep quiet you know yeah. they not, not to express their feelings openly yeah don't you know don't, like alone being gay of course exactly so let's draw a veil over that or yeah. you know, if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all yeah children should be seen and not heard you know mm -hmm. constant um messages that you have to be quiet so anyway so I sent her an email <clears throat> and then she wrote back to me and said Helen I've been waiting for you to ask this question nearly all my life of course oh. happy to answer any any questions that you have and I'll do my best so that was sorry i i get emotional of course so but please okay. uh, go on i'm we're not uh, computers we're humans aren't we <laughs> yeah it's um it, it's so when we deal with feelings so deep feelings and it's difficult to accept that you had to hide it uh, in some way uh, I'm sure she had other uh, happiness anyway with the children and uh, the life she had, but there was a part of her that she couldn't tell, at least not everyone, at, at least she had uh, some uh, friends, she could openly talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she lived in the shadows, in a, I suppose, in a way. But also, um, you know, her sister didn't know at all. My Auntie Judy, who was younger than her. Although at my mum's funeral, my Auntie Judy had done a whole wonderful sort of portrait, uh, you know, photographic gallery and um, of, of mum. And she called it, my sister, the Enigma. Oh, so wow. We knew that we knew that, you know, there was... She some... was an enigma. She, she was. was an enigma. She yeah. Was. But she wasn't an enigma, but we didn't know exactly what it was all about. So, yeah, that's how the story started. So you talk that's about uh, all this in your book, No Place to Lie, right? Uh, that actually I invite everyone. It's a bestseller on Amazon. So uh, anyway, I will leave all the details uh, for the people to um, look for it. And... Um, of course, uh, well, you have two more books on the making uh, as well. You are very, very busy. Um, and of course, in your life, you had another uh, very strong experience that is uh, the one related to your uh, brother. I don't know if you feel like to talk. Yeah, sure, sure. Because, well, it's, it's kind of opening up... Um... It's opening up that box, isn't it? And I, so the box called suicide, um, which is still a taboo, really, to talk about in this in this country. And I, people, uh, there's a fear, I think, that if you talk about suicide, it makes it more likely to happen for somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, there's a trick that there is. I wouldn't say a trick, but you know, there are, there are aspects of that that are true. So that every time somebody famous takes their own life the devastating consequences of that are that there's an uh, emulation of emulation oh. so robin williams for example mm -hmm. is a is a classic you know we all loved him so much and then if he takes his own life and he's a funny guy and he's got everything he you know could possibly ever want mm -hmm. um then why has that happened so yeah so 
my brother, I, I was actually away in the States back in 1981 and I was, I was only 22 myself. Um, and I'd gone for a three month holiday before or traveling around the States and Canada and Mexico until I start, before I started training to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. My last taste of freedom, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, and then after two months, I, I had a phone call from my father in St. Louis and he was in Yorkshire, so he was about three, four thousand miles away. And then he had to tell me that my he'd found my brother, oh. uh, David. Uh, he'd found him dead on extraordinarily the first of March, nineteen eighty-one, which is St. David's Day. So, it, which seems even more I don't know poignant. So he, my father said. Um, there's been a terrible accident, Helen. There's been a terrible accident involving a gun and David's dead. But, you know, it, I, I, you, you mustn't think, you know, it, it, the only thing that to think is that he it was an accident. So he, mm. he or possibly, possibly that he was murdered. My father could never countenance the possibility that my brother had taken his life and died by suicide. Uh, I think for a parent... Uh, it's something unbelievable and I I don't think it's possible to accept because Mm -hmm. in a way you want to give the responsibility to someone else Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I think that's something when you know if you talk to anybody who's been touched by suicide of somebody that they love you know you you go into this it's like a kind of volcano exploding in you and then in an instant and then suddenly you're left with the crater you know you're left with this for me it felt like a kind of void inside for, for years actually I mean oh, really, sure. really for years I can remember going to see um, a naturopath I don't know about 10 years afterwards and he said have you been in an accident recently and I said no uh, and he said well your body is still in you know your body's in shock and that oh. was that was ten, so all ten years afterwards. Ten years afterwards, my body was still in shock. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's really hard to describe, Mara, because it's like you know you don't want to get up in the morning, or you've got that tiny, tiny, tiny second when you wake up in the morning, and you've forgotten, yeah. and so you might have a feeling of happiness. Yeah, and, and then you go back and in then, the... oh, and then the re- realization comes back in again. So. It's really hard. It's really, really hard for, for people to, to, to it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a devastating thing. And, you know, one of the saddest things about this research around suicide is that very often um, people who do die by suicide do it. It isn't a, it isn't a selfish act. It's an act because they they can't take the unbearable pain that they're going through. Yeah. At the yeah, exactly. time. And they think that other people around them will be happier if they die i mean which and you know the truth is the polar opposite of that yeah of uh, because you know yeah it, so and it, you know suicide is a is a permanent solution to what is a temporary problem you know we all we change we have we have we we all have dark days um but things change you know and, and there's this kind of myriad of other lives that we can live mm-hmm if we can possibilities just out there. possibilities absolutely and that that's that's beautifully encapsulated in in matt haig's book the midnight library as well so uh that's another that's another great book um so uh, yeah so my so i anyway going back to the story i've 
flew them back um, after a couple of days um, from America to, to the north of England, to Yorkshire, and then went with my father. He had to go, we had to go and talk to the police about things. And so I saw the room where my brother had shot himself. Um, uh, and I, you know, which still, actually the smell of it stays with me now as well, because he oh. hadn't been found for a couple of days or so. Um, but it was in the house where uh, your house. parents lived, or no, it was in a house where he had been a caretaker. So he, so he was, he was twenty, coming up to twenty-one. But um, my father, who was a solicitor up in a lawyer up in uh, north of England, had a client who had a big house, who had who was supposed to have this guy coming to live in the house, and then he let him let the client down. So my dad suggested that my brother go and be a caretaker there um, and my brother had just he'd failed um, he'd flunked out of two lots of different two different degrees um, so he hadn't got anything to do so you know it gave him something to do mm-hmm. although you know looking back on it obviously he would he was very isolated it's a huge house um, he had my dog that he was that he was looking after but he, he saw his friends from time to time but it would have been a very isolated experience and isolation you know, we need to be really careful about isolation because we are not geared for isolation. Yeah, definitely. We are social uh, beings. We thrive on connection. Um, that's, you know, one of the reasons why it's been so hard, uh, the, this pandemic, is the deprivation of that. And, and it, you know, it, and study after study shows that if you take away that human connection from people, actually they die you know if there was a study that was done in the 1960s about babies Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, the one you know if they weren't looked after cuddled um had that connection with others they literally died they had to stop the experiment i mean you know you would never be you'd never be allowed to have an experiment like that nowadays but we need touch we need the you know human connection so yeah so my my brother well, I, I found out fairly soon that he had taken his life, but my parents could never could never accept that. But um, I don't want to kind of make the book sound as if it's a, you know, it's a terrible misery memoir, because it really isn't. I I think one of the most important things in life is hope and yeah. um, how to live our lives with more joy. Mm-hmm. So the book is also about that and about taking. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a story. It's your story. Uh, of course, uh, there are uh, even if the happenings were um, sad, that doesn't mean that uh, the story has to drag us into something dark. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, I've been incredibly lucky. It's been I think there've been fifty one five-star review so far on Amazon and it's been out for three months about um but I also I get letters um I've had texts emails from people which move me to tears because those in fact I mustn't mustn't cry but it's just you know they they, there's one that that from somebody in Ireland who I and I carry it around in my journal because it's so moving um because but I've had people say you know this has literally been a lifesaver your book and it or it's been a life changer um it's made me think about different aspects of my life it's made me get in touch with somebody it's made me 
uh, love myself more, you know. <laughs> and I <laughs> think it is what you want to do when you write a book that is your story, then it becomes the story for someone else. Yeah. And then it brings all sorts of feelings of uh, hope, of happiness, of whatever it is, uh, the feeling. It's uh, yeah. your gift to, to us, basically. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely way of putting it. But yeah, I suppose it is. It's like, it's like I suppose, you know, after my mum died and passed on and she hadn't told us that she was gay and I tried to find somebody else who'd gone through the same experience and I couldn't find anybody so it felt like I needed to write about it so it's like you know it's kind of like walking through a a meadow with long grass isn't it you the the first person who goes down it then it's quite hard yeah but but then you start opening up a path and then others can can at least see what you've done in terms of going up and down that path they might choose another path but they might come your way as well so yeah I it did feel like it was really important to to write about it yeah and actually I was telling you I subscribe to your YouTube channel and I invite I, I invite everyone to do the same uh, of course you now uh, heard and saw Helen and how charismatic she is and I could be here uh, for hours listening and uh, of course the YouTube channel is also very interesting actually um, I remember the one it's an episode with your husband Tim uh, about setting boundaries uh, mm-hmm. with narcissistic mm-hmm. partners also it was really so interesting I mean you talk of uh, several um, uh, things and they are our life I mean in a way or the other you've been experiencing uh, mm-hmm. these things uh, through you or through other people uh, you know well we are in a time of narcissism aren't we oh, the, you know narcissism is a theme I mean let's not make it the only theme let's make other themes bigger but let's like make empowering your own life a bigger theme than narcissism but you know with Trump being out there uh for example yeah actually I like that you said, <laughs> you know, said that the biggest that. Say, uh, the best example is Trump yeah it's a classic I mean we have we have examples closer to home as well some of yeah. at least one of whom looks very much like Trump but um you know the, you've got this you've got this in, um, huge international example of what it is to be a narcissist mm-hmm. and the effect that it has on other people around you and you you have to guard against you have to guard against it because it's a mad world you know they narcissists have this extraordinary capacity to weave spells Mm -hmm. actually around you they're they're like wizards and you, you know if you get into the into the spell of a narcissist you start believing things that really aren't true Yeah. And you often believe really bad things about your yourself, you know, so. Yeah, your self-esteem is the first thing oh, that goes. Absolutely. And, and you know, they're, they're terribly clever. They, you know, yeah. they make, they can make you feel like a million dollars. They <laughs> have, there's an intensity about them. Um, I mean, I'm saying this, you know, cause I, as, a, for, for, as a family lawyer for 35 years, one of the things that one needed to, to be dealing with were, were, were narcissists and then you know the people who the empaths who were trying to escape from them yeah. and how they did that and how they reclaimed their lives and that is a it's often a very tough thing to do because you know the narcissists have what are they called I think they're flying the flying monkeys around them who mm-hmm. 
who uh you know who echo the narcissist and say he's marvelous or she's marvelous yes. and no one will believe the empath who's exactly. the victim yeah uh, normally it's the opposite right uh, I, at least from oh, yeah from uh, experiences and from reading it is exactly that that's why it's very difficult because the empath doesn't have any support because no. everyone believes the narcissist it's extraordinary because the, the narcissist has in the meantime isolated you know over a period of time has isolated the empath so you know uh, so the people who were close to her or him um, have they've been lost uh, over the and so she or he hasn't got any any uh, support and they're very isolated and people think that they're mad and bonkers yeah. so it's uh, yeah so boundaries are your are your best friend because the thing about narcissists is it's never enough you can never do enough for them um, because the only thing that's important to them is is their own with them, themselves so they're, they're a massively inflated ego so yeah steer clear of them yeah so these and many other are the uh subjects uh, that you talk about in your uh, youtube channel so it's definitely uh super interesting uh i really liked also the duet with the uh, team uh, the, the fact that you were both uh in the episode um and uh well <laughs> i don't want to let you go no i want to ask you something if you have uh, a quote or a word that is very dear to you uh talking of the power of words uh, in this uh in the written uh word yes i think it's courage mm -hmm. courage is really important to me um it's about the heart and so it comes from the heart the cœur in uh, in French, and you know, uh, I'm just also thinking in French where they they if the French will say if you've got a challenge ahead, they say bon, bon courage, bon courage, mon brave. Yeah. You know, so there's that sense of you know, arm yourself. I the, because I think um, we are in a time where we need to be courageous. Actually, uh, we can, we can't just sit by and watch no. terrible things happening, and there are terrible things happening. We're going to need our courage. We need to own our own stories and know ourselves, tap into that inner wisdom, that inner magic, um, but then challenge, you know, the really rubbish stuff that's going on out there. And in the meantime, just be very kind and gentle and compassionate and, you know, connected to the people we love and, and, and smile, you know, just, give out that that light and that we that we have radiating from within us you know give it out i've yeah. read another amazing book called um when it's darkest by a suicide prevention um researcher and professor called rory o'connor and he tells this wonderful story of a, of a guy who is thinking about taking his own life uh, and he's out in a park and he sees an ex-colleague of his and she gives him a huge smile and then sees the look on his face and says are you, are you okay you know what well, tell me tell me what's happening and just that was enough to, to make change his mind to change his mind you know so we never know whether when we smile and we give out that love and uh, that connection it, it can it can change yeah to give to give is the best uh, way to uh, receive but the second you are giving you already received all the 
the love and the compensation you can ask for yes. definitely and you can change lives you can absolutely in a lovely way excellent thank you very much helen to uh, to talk to us uh, to be with us i just want to remind everyone that in the post in my bio and everyone on the cover of the podcast there will be all the details to contact and um uh, um, Helen and uh, look for a book and uh, subscribe to her uh, YouTube channel. Thanks a lot again and Thanks see you so all much. soon. Bye. Thank you, Mara. Bye bye, everyone.